Well, season two, episode two, we do not have our sound engineer here. So if it sounds terrible, I blame his absence and I take no responsibility. Austin. Austin. uh, For the quality of this recording, but we're happy you're here. Like I said, uh, season two, episode two of Cocktails and Questions. And speaking of cocktails, Mr. Ben, you want to talk about what we're drinking today? Yeah, we're uh, we're bringing back the cocktails and cocktails in question. And today, uh, we'll tell you a little bit about the drink that we're having. We're having Ranch Waters. And uh, Ranch Waters made famous at Ranch 616 just down the road. If you ever make it to Austin, you got to have a Ranch Water or three. Uh, <laughs> three, right. three, three might be a little too many, and I've done that a couple times. But I never actually knew what the hell was in a Ranch Water. It's just like... Yeah. Blended up angels and some lime and some tequila, I think. What's actually in That's it? about right, man. Um, so uh, silver tequila of your choosing. What uh, do we drink? Hornitos? We're, we got Hornitos here today. Um, if you go back to one of our original sponsors, Codiga makes a fantastic one. That's mm-hmm. actually my boy, uh, George Strait's tequila. But any silver tequila will do. Fresh lime juice, none of the canned, bottled, uh, fake stuff. And then Topo Chico, which recently sold to Coca-Cola. And uh, if you're a Texan or if you've had Topo Chico, it's been part of your life for a long time. And they're now part of the Coca-Cola family. And uh, Ben was like, why, why are we going to drink this? And James was like, so you'll say dumb shit. And I was like, well, <laughs> the, the reality is <laughs> I want to drink it because I woke up this morning in Austin, Texas, and it was 63 degrees, which in my mind means that summer is over. So this is one last celebration to summer in the hill country. So cheers. Cheers. All right. Um, and to kick this off, talking about things that we saw recently that uh, got us thinking, because we do tend to think about the future, oftentimes wrong, but we do think about it. Um, and what better person to weigh in on the future of things than our old friend Tim Berners-Lee? For those of you who don't know who Tim Berners-Lee is, because you know you're not all be fucking nerds, um, he was actually the father of the World Wide Web, um, which is not to be confused with Mark Andreessen, who created the first browser. But he actually, or Al Gore, who actually who invented the internet. That's right, right. Um, but Brilliant Tim Berners Lee, widely credited with being the father of the World Wide Web, um, uh, recently announced that he intends to reinvent the World Wide Web. And when I think but about this, this, but can you reinvent something you didn't invent? You, he did invent it. He mm. created the World Wide Got Web it. at 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 CERN. Yep, in Switzerland. Got it. But he doesn't claim it. He does. Okay. He does. He actually goes around and talks about it all the but time. But not the execution of it. There's some like caveat in there where he's like, oh, you got to well, So there's the web, like there's the internet, went. and then there's got browsers, it. right? He got created it. that foundation for the modern network society. Real nerd. Right? Even You want to get even nerdier? And let's let throw this at you. So Tim Berners-Lee is to the internet as Victor Gruen is to the American shopping mall. I went there. I went there. I James just uses that. Victor Gruen in the shopping mall at least three times a year. So if, if, if you've ever been in a meeting with James and, and, and he didn't say it, you probably weren't in a meeting with James. <laughs> I, I remember that. when I dropped it on that Forrester analyst once and she just rolled her eyes. It was like <laughs> seismic. She's like, what are you doing? Stop selling. Um, no. So anybody who knows the story of Victor Gruen, he designed the first American shopping mall. It was this amazing thing, but it became so overly commercialized that towards the end of his life, he actively disowned it. And he was just angry and bitter. This brilliant architect who was so dismayed by what it had become and how it symbolized like commercialism and you know uh, shallow materialism and things like that. He railed against it. And I think Tim Berners-Lee's kind of gotten there with the internet. He's like, whoa, this is not what I envisioned when we were like utopianly thinking about the future and what it could all be like to be all connected. He didn't think about what we see today. I'm sure he didn't see Facebook. He didn't see all the hate on Twitter, things like that. He didn't see um, Russian bots. And what I think he particularly didn't envision was the total lack of control of data that the average individual user 
would have. Um, so when you look at how he's addressing that for the last 15 years, he's been working sort of in the, the dark, uh, try, quietly trying to rethink the internet. And he has a company that he's recently launched called Inrupt. You can find it online at inrupt.com, I-N-R-U-P-T.com. And Inrupt is uh, launching, actually has baited an application called Solid. Um, Solid is the new technical or technology environment by which the web will be reborn from a your data first perspective. So it offers you the opportunity to create what's called a pod, which is uh, your personal on-demand data system. And uh, essentially all of the apps that make up your internet experience will be born first out of your data profile, which you control, as opposed to you seeing what your data does with various commercial entities. So it's completely reversing out the current data and privacy conversation in the internet. And it's, it's pretty fascinating. Have you guys had a chance to take a look at it? Yeah, I've gotten a chance to take a look at it. And I think that that part about owning your own data is, um, you know, like anything from Tim Berners-Lee, pretty revolutionary. I mean, you're talking about the guy who had a vision for what the web can be. It all happened. And I think you wish it would have happened differently. It didn't. And now he's almost got this chance to go back and redo it. And I think that we kind of, we have to like fundamentally rethink what the web is. We almost, it's like we have this thing now that is so so much bigger than we ever thought it would be. And if you take a step back, the question is, is it what it should be? And you give away more data today than you ever would in the past. You know, the thing we always talk about, I was big into, like my first gigs were in mobile. And the question we always had to talk about was privacy. Like, you know, why would I ever share my data with people? Why would I ever share my location? And today you stream to 40 or 50 plus apps. Sure. The immediate location everything that you could ever think about or know about a person because it's it's super useful and you've had to trade usefulness for your data. I think what Tim Berners-Lee is doing is he's flipping that model and he's saying you own all of your data and now you get to share that with the people you want to on your own time and I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm 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 fascinated to see where this whole thing goes. I think traction is going to be huge for this and if you back all the way up, you know, uh, leading up and to pressing record, I was thinking about Tim Berners-Lee and, and his and their uh, adventure in raising money. So in a previous life, um, at one point in time, I saw over 500 pitches in a, in a calendar year or 600 or something like that. It's just bananas, right? It never once did anybody bring Tim Berners-Lee to bear, right? There's always like this way to argue that you should give them money on pre-revenue. And I think this is one of the first things where you just kind of trust who's involved, kind of like Elon Musk, but not to get off on a tangent. But Like if somebody comes to you raising money and you got Tim Berners-Lee, yeah. you're like, yeah, I'll give you a I got you. What do you. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't <laughs> matter because uh, we're technically communicating because of the thing you built before, previous success, high bar. Got it. Um, but I, th I think it is interesting that the, in, in, you know, much, much like Elon is probably the only guy who can get the city of Los Angeles to approve him digging under the city. He's probably the only person that could, you know, rethink and actually pull off the internet. Right. And so what he's doing is we've talked about this a lot on the podcast is talking about flipping the idea of privacy on its head. Right. And actually regaining it and using it as a currency instead of as a commodity, which I think is like a fascinating look at the future of the web. But traction to this is going to be huge. Yeah. James, I mean, you used to have this thing you talked a lot about called the what? The Personal? individual IPO. Individual IPO. And is that, it's kind of what he's talking about, right? Right. Exactly. And, and I'd like to say that 
that I gave him the idea. <laughs> that, that Tim, you Tim can, and I sat you down when we were breaking bread. All you no. are, but. but I think it makes a lot of sense, right? You think about it. At a certain point, people, I don't think it's about controlling your own data in as much as recognizing the value of your own data. I think that's the only reason that this would work is if people are like, oh, it's not necessarily about like, I mean, after, after um, uh, the European uh, Union Brexit GDRP. Yeah, yeah, GDRP. Mm. Like you got all those like, yes, I accept the cookies. I accept the cookies. Just give me the damn cookies so I can get on the site and do what I need to do. People don't necessarily, I think, think about privacy that way, but they do think about value. And if you can go and say, hey, if I control my own data, all of a sudden my web experience gets infinitely better, there's a lot of value in that. My white paper I wrote was about people actually going and recognizing their data worthiness and maybe like going having their own individual public offering like saying hey i'm james and like i'm going to ipo at this price and you can buy the data from me and, and leverage it how you see fit uh, but it's along the same lines yeah it's, it's it's the same line of thinking but we, we think about in, in marketing you think about in terms of influencers right and there's some form of equation that will tell you how much a post is worth so mm -hmm. uh, i've done it uh, one of my posts on Instagram is technically worth $27, I think. So What? Yeah. Did you sell it? Not yet. I wouldn't pay you five bucks for it. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, this This yeah. is backwards. I right? write a thousand posts. You, get, you gave the wrong dude 27 <laughs> bucks. Uh, nobody listens to me anyway. Um, you know, and the Kardashians make however much they make. But so I'm thinking about it. Like, how do I become more valuable to a service provider so that my experience is better? Like there's got to be some form of math on that, or are you simply just throttling access to your profile? I think there is math on it because it comes down to, as an advertiser, you want to find the right person at the right time, and it comes back to a cost per acquisition, right? If you're going to buy this, it's going to make me this much money, and so I'm willing to spend X number of dollars to find you. Now, if I don't have to go through networks and I don't have to guess and try to hope that you're a... 25 year old female who lives in this city who's done this in the past and who has you know this specific career experience i don't have to buy that in aggregate i might be able to buy you and to james's point about the personal ipo i could just go out and say hey i'm that person i'm in the market for these things and i'm willing to sell my data mm -hmm. to the people who are interested for x i get the cut of that the brand gets that connection, which they're already paying for, and there's a value exchange on both sides. I don't know if that market actually works, but what I do think is really interesting is that this is a moment in time where so many things are connected. And we are today, you, you, you mentioned accepting the cookies. I've accepted like 600 cookies yes, today. And, cookie and I don't know I don't know why, what it's, I just don't even think about it. It's just this 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 thing that you do you do it because it's annoying to look at yeah exactly right? not because you actually consent yeah. you're like get it out of my way yeah. Yeah. but we've been conditioned on a mobile phone and on a display to accept certain paradigms in navigation and the way that you sign in the way that you go through um, and register for things i think I, I looked at it there was a quote i didn't even think about this but i use this all the time from tim berners lee and he says, when we look back at technology today, we're going to have a feeling of being handcuffed to our devices, meaning that today we look at these devices through screens and um, we're constantly staring at them. In a world where devices become less prevalent and the internet is persistent, so it's in your kitchen, it's in every device you talk about, it's in, I mean, literally, it sounds ridiculous, but it's in the chair, it's in the couch, it's in everything that you touch. 
those things are going to be tracking data and they're going to be providing new types of utility that we can't even think about. But I don't want all that utility to go out to Google, I, all that data to go out to Google. I don't want it to go out to Facebook. I want to own that. So I think as our lives become more connected, there's going to be so much value in that data that we should own that and it will be infinitely more valuable today to sell to people. When you think about it too, I think it's really easy to dismiss that and say, oh, nobody's going to pay you a lot of money for your data about yourself. And that's hey, not the Brandon, point. what, 27 dollars $27. We have six it's followers. Account. Like, like, he's an influencer. Hey, he's easily you guys influencer. have not seen my Instagram feed. <laughs> <laughs> I've not. Fire. No, I have. Straight I, fire. I follow you. Day I, after I, day. I've hearted a couple of things. <laughs> Liar. I don't think that the idea is that like Google's going to pay me $1,000 for my data. But if you think about the sheer number of times your profile is monetized by these third-party services, whether it's Facebook, Google, Twitter, Snap, whatever it is, or the third parties that are actually going and acting as intermediaries, it's not about like getting a lot of money all at once. It's about actually getting a little teeny amount of money, like a, little a micro payment time. a million yes. times. Because I guarantee you that advertisers have paid in aggregate a lot more than a thousand dollars to target you. I, you're absolutely right. And that you also, guy, and you think yeah, zero influencer. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why we need the personal IPO because nobody <laughs> would pay for James. But but the thing is too, I think <laughs> the other unintended. We exhausted all of our options. We the, have uh, to do a Lanyon IPO. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of money. It's a Dutch anybody? Option. Anybody? It was a Dutch option. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> like on Groundhog Day, it's like two bits. Two bits. <laughs> no, but the thing is too, one of the most persistent problems right now with, with internet advertising is attribution to actual accounts, right? Like how much fake bullshit is out there and like how much should you actually be paying for? And by truing up like who's actually in the pool, and, and I actually think this, even though a lot of people would argue that this is gonna negate the current internet or, or digital advertising model, I think it actually strengthens it and it gives it integrity. So I think this is a good thing both ways. I think it could also erode privacy, right? So we're, we're talking about this as like a bolstering of a defense of- How so? To my point earlier about the commoditization and versus currency. So if the currency becomes so ubiquitous, it will ultimately become a commodity. Much to the point that we talked about earlier, you just accept these cookies, right? And so if you get to a point to where the entire internet is blocked, it won't be like that, but it will be some version of that. You'll gladly, I mean, you do it already, right? And it's a false sense of control, right? You give away your birthday, you give away your email address, you do this stuff. I mean, the most effort that people put into a fake birthday is like January 1st and like some random year that puts you over 21. Yep. Right. And so you'll just, you'll get used to, it'll be gateway after gateway after gateway after gateway. And it'll essentially look, and it could look a lot like if you ever go into Twitter and you say, show me every application I've given uh, read, write authority to. You're like, I don't even remember when I did that thing. I just did it because it was part of the, I had to do it. And then all of a sudden what it does is it actually dissolves privacy even further could could be because back to the false sense of control who owns your pod right it's a central repository you own your pod no you don't yes you do no nope. that's the whole point according nope. to sir tim berners lee yeah, he's a night and God I mean, the first of all the internet first of all I mean, when on. you put sir in front of anybody's name it kind of takes my legs out from under me before Elton we get into like said but that was where i was going sir mick jagger George michael is sir i think he was if he wasn't he should have been <laughs> anyhow gotta have faith point being 
point being, somebody's going to own that data because I'm not going to build the hardware. I'm not going to build the servers. I'm not going to own the servers. I'm not going to fundamentally understand. The average person is not going to understand what's actually happening inside of my closet, Hillary Clinton bathroom servers yeah. type deal, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I went there. My eyes just soon. got big. Just, just saying. Like, it's, and so which, what's going to $27 a post? What's going to happen is, is there's going to be these um, pod management services and they yeah, are the I ones. Mean, it's, actually, it's that's, on, that's right there. I become I a know. pod service provider. So you're right. There will be an intermediary. And it's and it's essentially the refragmentation of what we all went through in the cloud. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think that that is there is a high likelihood of that happening. One one reason being that Sir Tim Berners Lee <laughs> is not worth as much as Jeff Bezos is. No. Talk about getting screwed, right? He's also not worth as much as Zuckerberg. He's not worth as much as Gates. Nope. But he created the framework and the platform that all of the most wealthy people in the history of the world made money on. So he might be trying to get a couple dollars. You yeah, know? So, could, so, so there might be, in I mean, sorry, Sir Tim, if you're listening, but I bet, you know, there might be a little bit of monetization in this whole thing that like is better for those- the world. But I do think that the idea that your data is worth something, today when I click those cookies... It's a complete disconnect. I don't realize that that data is then being translated to some sort of monetary exchange between the advertiser and a brand because I have yep. no control and no vested interest, and I'm never going to get anything for that. But I do get utility in return. I think at the moment in time when the web becomes about, I'm going to get utility, and in turn for that, if you're going to sell my data, I should get a cut of that, or the cost of that utility should be lower. I think that you sort of you you remove a bit of that, um, or you you introduce more transparency in it, and I think that people will be less apt to just click on everything, and they'll probably be you know become more self entitled assholes and say, hey, you know what, actually, I think that that's worth five cents. Yeah, and then you get in a negotiation with everybody. Exactly, <laughs> it's your website you know, it's going to be a nightmare. It's definitely going to ruin the web. And, and I think <laughs> I think that's like a very like near my my version of that's near term. We, we do have to look at the pendulum and the cultural swing of of what privacy means to people that are much younger than us or, or, or who are not even born yet, right? And so we, we, we came up with the internet, or at least I did. Like, I, I remember I, I had both the Encyclopedia Britannica and a computer at the same time, right? Like, that's my generation. And what we're talking about is people that don't even know what I just mentioned. They're Encyclopedia who, yep. right? And so... It's a CD-ROM, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like 90 of them. I'm optimistic, man. I, th- I think it's cool. I, and I think it goes back to my belief that the sum of your parts are greater than your digital self. And I think this is a, this is a step in the right direction. Yeah. My, my final take on it is you, you, you brought it up. Like if you see a pitch from Sir Tim Berners-Lee, you take the pitch, right? You 100%. invest the money, you do it. The guy's got a track record. That's just amazing. But I don't know that that does it, right? I still think there's so much inertia and momentum around the current web that trying to push in a different direction it's as big as what he did the first time the question is can you do it the second time but if you read and i want to prolong this because you you're rightfully capping it off but if you read what he wants to do with it it actually has more benefit in like your electronic health records right and you think about actually who's about to become parents who's 16 or 17 right now they're not even a i wouldn't even call gen z mobile first they're they're well beyond that we haven't discovered yet what's going to be their definitive platform everybody thought that um millennials were going to be like the internet generation that's gen x right millennials were actually the mobile generation and so anybody who thinks that mobile's the definitive anchor for gen z is wildly off we don't know what it's going to be yet but i can guarantee whatever it is 
it's actually going to really value a lot of the utility that this will provide. And I think that's actually going to cause that pendulum shift. So hopefully you're into the long game. Yeah, I mean, I look at the Apple Watch introducing ECG, right? right. I mean, who should own that? Should Amazon own that? Should Apple own that? Do you want to explain who, ECG real fast? Uh, I think it's electrio, electrical cardiogram. Yep. I'm not sure. I just made that up. Yep. Uh, I, sounds, I, sounds like you made it I up. I heard Johnny, Johnny Ives say that one yeah. time after he said aluminum, you know, and so I thought it was, I thought he, it sounded Here at Cocktails cool. and Questions, we call it exploratory languages. <laughs> but, but I think, but I think but, you're right. I think that was, I thought that was huge, right? Yeah. It, taking it, your, being able to look at your heart rate. FDA approved yeah, though. F, That's the A medical the mega. device and being able to determine if it's, if, if your heart rate is abnormal, um, if, and, and that detection, like, if that was sold, which it sounds ridiculous right now, but that's going somewhere. That is in an Apple server. And if you just accept cookies, in those cookies, in the terms of condition, terms and conditions might mean that you transmit that data to an insurance company. I know that sounds so ridiculous today. No. But it actually is, it could happen and it might be in there. And I accepted all of them. I mean, but that, that is a different type of information than anything that we've ever had before. And I think that those types of experiences are what's going to make something like solid very valuable. But I, I think there's two things. One is going to be design or design and experience, however you couple them together. But the other one, which we always talk about, is plain language legal, right? Like it's got to be dead simple. You can no longer give you know, six point font as tall as I am and expect people to understand. So there has to be this, I mean, we talked earlier about the Golden State Yeah, I don't think it's killer, well right? packaged or merchandised. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's absolute bananas. So those things are, they are, they have to come together or the, or it will fail. Awesome. Well, so we got a new segment yeah. to transition over to that. We got a new one that I'm uh, really excited about. It's called don't close that. Right? <laughs> and what we realized is that over the course of the week, we have multiple browser tabs open. And, uh, you know, before I go home on a Friday, I at, Friday I ended up closing all these browser tabs. Oh, God. Yeah. I like, did I ever tell you about that tabulous? Like, uh, it uh, brings the, back your tabs? Yeah. yeah no, like, I, I, but I didn't even know. That's a whole other story. But yes. So tabs. you have 30, 40 tabs open, but there's, there's a reason for those tabs because there's something in those stories that you want to remember, you want to bring up, and we think there's hidden gold in there. So new segment, don't close that. What's in your tab? One or two of your favorite things that you saw this week, Brandon? One or two. Uh, I'm going to go three. Three, Because okay. I'll go fast. One, I've got a Because you're an influencer. Because I've got... Don't I'm about to get to twenty-nine dollars to post. Uh, I got a code repository for a facial recognition prototype that we're working on, which is super fun. That one's open. I've been messing with that all week. Uh, excited to roll that out soon. Uh, another tab, man. Uh, weekend two of ACL. We talked about it last episode, so I was did you just, go weekend one. I did not. I did not. ACL is a lot like Vegas. You don't need both weekends, yeah. right? Like Vegas, like three like days tops, hours yeah. tops in and out, <laughs> in and out. Uh, so I was in, and I am uh, spoiled because I come from the music industry. Industry, so I actually didn't know who was playing. So I just looked it up today, okay. and I'm going tomorrow. So right. I'm I'm a planner. And then uh, the other one is actually quite relevant. <clears throat> we were talking to uh, the folks about um, the Target incubator that got announced. Um, they have the they have several of them over there. Target. 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 Um, and what 
uh, they've got several of them all all over the world focusing on different things. This one is focused on uh, Gen Z mindset uh, entrepreneurs. Whole incubator focused on Gen Z. Yeah, it's a little weird. So Gen Z is technically uh, between the ages of three and twenty three, but they don't accept anybody under the age of 18 mm. <laughs> so kind of like for legal <laughs> reasons i would imagine yeah so it took it um but it's, it's actually pretty cool right so they um target has this whole thing about um doing good and in uh making the, the world a better place and they've targeted gen z as the people to help them do that um and the reason why it's on my browser is because applications opened up two days ago um on how a, does it work so uh, you can apply as you, a gen z oh, i can't person? i mean uh, you can't obviously. i'm old as shit <laughs> but if you are a Gen Z person or have a Gen Z mindset, it's a little blurry on their site, um, you apply. And you have to have some form, uh, essentially the way that they talk about it, something of a higher uh, elevation than just an idea. So a business plan, a video, a prototype, something that shows that you've put um, thought into bringing an idea to life, not focused at, on selling inside of Target stores, which I think is interesting. Um little side door action right there. Um, uh, applications close at the end of this month. Uh, the end of 10, uh, 29 is actually the, the close of it. Um, and then they do interviews in Target headquarters in Minneapolis. And after that, it, it turns, it goes from eight weeks of virtual courses where they will. Which is a, which is a, um, it's the response to the echo show. So it's actually got a screen, uh, but what I think was most interesting about that is Google is actually trying to make Google Home much more pervasive in the home, much less about a device, just the same way that Amazon is. So that that was interesting. The other thing, this is, I don't know, I think a lot of people talk about it, but there's the death of retail. We saw Sears probably filing for bankruptcy. If it hadn't happened yet, it probably is going to tomorrow. But everybody knew it was going to happen. Yet physical stores are coming back. And it's a lot of these what yep. you call e-tailers, you know, digital brands. Um, there was a report by JLL, which I think is a um, real estate company, and they talked about there are digital brands, digital native brands like a Bonobos, like a Warby Parker, Everlane. They're expected to open 850 stores in the U.S. over the next five years, which most of the value proposition of these brands is that we go direct to the consumer. We don't have all the overhead, but they find that if they have a presence in a specific market, it might be a lot smaller, might be a lot more focused. They sell a lot more inventory, a lot more product. Um, you know, Casper is one of the ones that's most interesting. And they, 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 I don't know if you know Casper, but they yep, sell mattresses well. online. I want to buy um, one of those just firm. to like, and like watch it unfold. Mattress, I think it was Mattress Firm just went out of business yes. this week, yes, closed down. They're, the They're going to open 200 stores in the next three years. That's right. They're going the complete opposite way. They started digital. They yep. started online. They've cut a lot of that cost out of the business, but they're finding that physical stores are a key. It's, it's, I think that's interesting that we had this legacy brands closing down stores, digital brands opening physical stores. But but it's 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 definitely interesting. But it's it's pretty obvious, right? It it when you can't get out of your own way. I mean, these, these people are, were born digital, right? So yeah. when we go in and we talk to people, it's, um, you know, there's a, we were working with a major fashion retailer and it was, if you were to start this company today, what would it look like? Radically different. Yeah. And then what they'll tell you is all the reasons why they can't do it. And essentially these companies are, because they have the story. they're unencumbered by yeah. whatever. And, and the, the, what remains is, is Bonobos. people, people will pay a premium for service and they will go Walmart. to Walmart. 
Yeah, yeah, Bonobos is, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Walmart uh, UK. Uh, anyway, so those those are the things we saw to uh, that were uh, in in our tabs in our browsers. Um, last segment. Brandon? Last last segment is what made your week. Yeah, I'll close out. Can I start? start? We're making this official every week. Can I what start? Color? I mean, I I think this man. I think we're, we're super doomsday. I think I think the news news cycles are terrible. I think I think there's there should be a minute in time where we say here's something that's cool. All right. What it's, made your week? So that's it. My week? What is? Shit, uh, Banksy. So everybody knows oh Banksy. Oh my god, wasn't that great? And what's really cool is that I watched the rise of Banksy. Oh, in, like I was into street art. I was culturally watching Banksy rise. If you guys don't know who he is, uh, turn off the podcast and go for a long drive. And but, watch Exit Through the Gift Shop. <laughs> exit Through the Gift Shop. So he is, uh, Banksy is a rogue gorilla artist. Apparently nobody knows who he is, but there's some really strong hypotheses about who he is and how he functions and why he does the things he does. Uh, but he essentially elevated street art to high art. And his um, works are super, super famous and to the point to where they're sold for millions of dollars all around the world. And this week, one of his paintings went up for auction at Sotheby's and sold for 800,000 pounds, British which pounds, like which is 1.2 100 million dollars. <laughs> Something like that. The way things are going. <laughs> yeah, at the end of today, yeah, that might be that might be, actually be correct. Um, and, but that's not what's cool. What's cool is, if you there's videos about this everywhere. I'm sure everyone knows about it. So there's two parts that are cool to this. Uh, the auction closed, and immediately upon the gavel dropping... The painting started to shred itself. So what he did was he uh, had implanted a shredding device inside of the frame of the painting that he gave to Sotheby's. So gavel drops, painting starts to shred, just like a like a paper shredder. Did the buyer still have to pay? Yes. Like, yes. And all and everyone that sucks. And does it though, no. or is that part of it? Oh, right. Which uh, is I don't know. I mean, which is be pretty. Which pissed. is really yes. cool. So actually, look? what they're doing, it's worth more now than when they bought it. So immediately doubled their money, yes. right? Um, they have a half-shredded painting. Everyone's freaking out. Watching all these uh, like well-heeled people freak out over performance art, which is really what this was, is hilarious. The fact that we think that Sotheby's didn't know it was going to happen was hilarious. The fact that it happened right when the gavel dropped. Like, the whole, like this is a concert of people yep. working together, which, which was great. But then... So that whole thing was awesome. And the second cool thing that happened was uh, two people responded really well, I thought, in social media in near real time. The first one is our friends at Lemonade, which is an insurance company yes, that, that is, brilliant. That is so <laughs> sort of turning insurance on its head and, and applying technology in a proper fashion in their Instagram post was uh, a fake Banksy going through. And it says, sometimes getting insurance insurance claims in 90 seconds uh, is is important right because <laughs> their whole point is is that That's you don't so need to go funny. through these long forms you yeah. can just so access well the camera on your phone and you can yeah. actually insure your goods in under 90 seconds and Touché. you know and a lot of times it's why would i need insurance in 90 yeah. seconds they used a culturally relevant event to say uh sometimes it's really important and then mcdonald's had a thing about um uh it being a french fry maker which i thought was yeah. important so just you know watching companies move nimbly in, the moment. in yeah. a cultural moment Brilliant. so those are two things that, that kind of made, made my week so for me, um, and had this story not turned out so well, I would have probably been a little afraid to share it because it's slightly politically polarizing. But the this is my son. So are tweet. you? Did James. you guys see this this week? 
Blue no. Star Navy Mom 3 tweeted out, this is my son. He graduated Amazing number handle. one in boot camp. He was awarded the USO Award. He was number one in A school. He's a gentleman who respects women. He won't go on solo dates due to the current climate of false sexual accusations by radical feminists with an axe to grind. I vote hashtag him too. Him too is the male response to me too. And of course, on its face, that's horrifying. As this really equally horrifying picture of this young man in his navy apparel, he looks like a nice this. young man. He does look like a nice young man. He did not know that this was happening, <laughs> so he goes and he starts his own account under the. He didn't have a Twitter account called "That Was My Mom," and he decides <laughs> to turn lemons into lemonade. And he he's brilliant, and he wrote, you know. F- f- <laughs> That was my mom. Sometimes the people we love do things that hurt us without realizing it. Let's turn this around. I respect and hashtag believe women. I never have and never will support him too. I'm a proud Navy vet, cat dad, and ally. Also, Twitter, your meme game is on point. And the memes were fantastic. My two favorites was, this is my son, Michael, and it's a picture of Michael from Halloween. He had to be institutionalized because of a simple misunderstanding with his sister, Judith, and never did, and therefore did not get to go to A school. He is afraid to date women in today's current climate because he will probably kill them, slash him too. No, the best one. It's a picture of Guy Fieri. <laughs> this is my son. He graduated number one from the University of Flavortown. He was awarded three <laughs> banging fajita poppers. He was number one in Flaming Hot Crunch. He won't go on solo dates due to the current climate of false accusations of taking the last slice of pizza. I vote him to. I mean, like, it just they turned it around. It was just so brilliant and well played. I loved it. It made my whole week. That's what Tim Berners-Lee had in mind, exactly, I think. Exactly. Like, when he started that's, this That's thing, what he saw. Right. At turn, he's like... Hey, at some point there will be a Guy Fieri meme That's right. that will just make everything right. And I this know you don't like was ruined, and now he's probably one of the coolest guys on the internet. And you don't know who Guy Fieri is, but I've seen the future. Yes, and I know who he is. Yeah, and there will be a meme. Bleach blonde tips. That's right. All day. Flavor Town. Flavor Town. Flavor Town, bro. All right. <laughs> so to to wrap this thing up um, with the only thing worse than that on the internet, but this made my entire week and maybe my year um i don't know if you know this uh viacom who owns mtv (laughs) they have a youtube channel called awestruck which is terrible surprise surprise not doing that well so they said we're gonna fix this thing completely shut shut it down revived it under a new name jersey shore hub so it is a entire youtube channel dedicated to jersey shore which i didn't know this i i mean i was a jersey shore fan back in the day <laughs> i mean the situation who by the way is Snooki, being investigated for banking fraud now which is shocker just, I, fake news dude fake he watched news. like There's an, no no, way he watched like an episode of bones yeah. where the guy was depositing nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars yeah. into accounts and he's like that's brilliant <laughs> that's how i'll hide out my money i'll have 55 different accounts have seen his and abs, just a dollar i mean there's no way he did it dude, gtl Absolutely. dude yeah gtl <laughs> all day I, well i didn't realize that mtv actually revived jersey shore this year and it was the highest rated unscripted cable series in the 18 to 34 demographic since the, 2012. That's the money demographic. That is the money demographic. Thank you for bringing up that picture, James. But the fact that we now have an entire YouTube channel, I mean, I didn't have any weekend plans. So now you do. Now I do. Now you do. Made my week. Your docket is full. Well, shit. <laughs> I don't know if there's a lot to say after all that, man. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Do us a favor, if you could, rate, review, tell your friends. Uh, most importantly, subscribe, because that's what keeps this thing going. Um, for Cocktails and Questions, Season 2, Episode 2, Ben, 
James, Austin, this is your friend Brandon. Be good to yourselves. Be good to one another. Until next time. Adios. Be good.